Hello and welcome to The Seagull, the place to stay up to date on everything you need to know about the 102nd Intelligence Wing at Otis Air National Guard Base, right here from beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I'm Tim Sandlin from Public Affairs, and let me get you up to speed on what's going on here at the Wing. Welcome to the February 2024 edition. In this month's program, we cover mentorship during a conversation with two senior NCOs from the 102nd Mission Support Group. This month, we celebrate Black History, We hear from Tuskegee Airman Thomas Newton about his experiences serving as an enlisted airman in the mid-1940s. With President's Day right around the corner, we present a rare recording from 1913, an excerpt of George Washington's farewell address. Spoiler, it's not actually him speaking. But first, in this month's 102nd Intelligence Wing Command message, Colonel Stephen Dillon of the 253 Cyberspace Engineering Installation Group speaks about new Air Force Chief of Staff General David Alvin's first letter to airmen. Greetings. I'm Colonel Stephen Dillon, commander of the 253rd Cyberspace Engineering and Installation Group. This month's command message is an adaptation on General David Alvin's first letter to airmen when he became the 23rd Air Force Chief of Staff. If you've not taken the time to read it, I strongly recommend that you do. In his letter, General Alvin expresses humility pride, and a sense of urgency in assuming the role, and lays out the need for follow through on key readiness and innovation initiatives while also acknowledging the challenges faced by our Air Force. In this letter, General Alvin introduces us to the theme for his tenure as the 23rd Chief, follow through. While I was reflecting on his eight follow through declarations outlined in his letter, one reoccurring thought kept coming to mind. How am I? How are we as members of the 102nd Intelligence Wing following through on our commitments, on our tasks, and on the responsibilities entrusted to us? Additionally, how effectively are we following up with ourselves and with others to ensure follow through is taking place, thereby ensuring accountability? I've asked each member of my group to adopt the motto, follow up to ensure follow through. For we must follow through on our commitments to the success of the team, our unit, our wing, and our Air Force. This includes holding ourselves and each other accountable for our actions and inactions. For our word is our bond. For others count on us to meet our commitments in matters both great and small. Consistently meeting our commitments, doing our duty the best way we know how, builds trust. Trust lends itself to establishing a reputation of dependability, being counted upon to get the job done, and is a conduit for greater responsibility. There is nothing earth-shattering in all this, as it speaks to our Air Force core values of integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. So please join me in making follow-up to ensure follow-through, one of your New Year's resolutions. Thank you for listening, and have a great Air Force Day. We captured a conversation between Chief Master Sergeant Dana Hasey, Senior Enlisted Leader for the 102nd Mission Support Group, and Senior Master Sergeant Maria Escobar, Plans and Programs NCIC from the 102nd Force Support Squadron. Both are heavily involved in the Enlisted Development Council here at Otis Air National Guard Base, and they talk about mentorship here at the wing. 
what it's all about, why it's important, and their advice on how to be a good mentor, mentee, and how best to seek out those who can help you find your way through life, your career, and everything in between. So I am Chief Pastor Sergeant Dan Hasey. I am the um, Senior Leader for the Mission Support Group, and I am also the outgoing chair for the Enlisted Force Development Committee for the 102nd uh, Intelligent Wing. I'm Senior Master Sergeant Escobar, and I am with the 102nd Force Support Squadron. I am the Plans and Programs NCOIC, and I have been part of the professional development team as a new member there. And today we're going to talk about our latest event that we actually did back in October, which was our speed mentoring. So, Chief, let's talk to everyone at the wing People, especially our mentors and mentees that attended, are probably wondering, like, hey, the event, how it went, and then those members that were not able to attend. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how the event went and what we did and um, what our purpose and our goal was with the event. So um, really, it, this dated back uh, almost two years ago um, when at the, at the infancy of the Enlisted Force Development Committee, um, the all call came out uh, from General Brown, and uh, so we, as a as a wing, formed a Tiger team, and we really um, tried to understand what we were lacking as far as uh, professional development went. Um, one of those things were mentorship, and c- kind of realized that uh, if you asked an airman, uh, "Who's your mentor?" Um, They'll tell you about their grandfather or their, you know, aunt or somebody that really impacted their life as they were growing up. Um, when I asked that question of an airman, I was kind of expecting an answer of, you know, my supervisor or my commander or my peer. Um, and that wasn't what we were getting. So we realized that we were kind of missing the mark as far as mentorship in the group because we had mentoring moments but we didn't have um, real true mentorship. Um, so we wanted to try to get that message across and try to develop that culture um, throughout the uh, um, wing. Um, so uh, Sergeant Escobar, um, she, uh, I, you know, I had made a suggestion of maybe doing some type of an event, and I had seen some, uh, uh, some illustration on other units that did speed mentoring um and uh, Sergeant Escobar was like yes this is for me I want to I want to do this so um uh, so we kind of took it from there um and uh, Sergeant Escobar did a fantastic job I was kind of like felt like I was in the sidelines there but she did a great job of getting people um to actually get the message out of what mentors were or or what people felt mentorship was and we did a uh, you know the um, public affairs did a small illustration of that prior to us doing the event um and uh, we were a little well maybe i was a little bit more skeptical about how it was going to go (laughs) um sergeant escobar was confident the whole time um and i believe it was a great event um, so I'm going to let you take it from there and how you built the event and uh, kind of like your mindset and, and how she kind of led us into uh, to that day. Um, yes, Chief. So first, thank you for the opportunity because when you brought up the topic, I was like, oh, my God, this is something I always wanted because I know I've been very lucky that I've had had um, 
mentors in my career. I've had the one that I always go to, but I've always had like multiple people that I have always felt comfortable talking to depending on my situation or where I was in my career or what exactly my goal was or what I wanted. So with that being said, I wanted to make sure that, wow, yes, we definitely need mentoring, but we have like a talent, like so many talented individuals at the wing, right? And some people are introverted, some are extroverted, and I really wanted us to share and provide the opportunity for those mentors out there at our own wing to be able to provide that mentorship and then mentees or members that, you know, didn't know how to ask or how the mentoring works, you know, provide them that venue to be able to be out there and seek out a mentor or maybe find out and figure out how this all works in the Air Force. Because as you mentioned, uh, when we did the video, the first initial video that we showed during March Madness was about different mentors out there or mentees or what people thought a mentor was. And that really is how everything got initiated because by the answers people were providing, I was able to see exactly what people were kind of looking for. So with the speed mentoring, I figured that that would have been like a great start, a starting point, because it's almost like speed dating. But yeah, you're like speed mentoring. So you're going from table to table. You're talking to different mentors. They have different talk topics to talk about. And that's why I was confident, because I felt like it was a brand new concept maybe here at the wing. But once I started explaining to people, put the plan together, when we got the when we reached out to volunteers, now they felt a little bit more confident, like, oh, okay, so that's what this is all about. So I think that part just getting the buy-in from the mentors or or there's always people out there that are always willing to help, especially if you're a mentor. You, you, regardless of what it is, you want to put yourself out there, you're going to be help, helping because that's what a mentor is, right? You go outside the comfort zone and you're there to help others. So that's why I felt yeah. confident that it was going to work. Was yeah, my, it challenging? Absolutely, yeah. right? <laughs> my, my lack of confidence was to get participation from the airmen. Um, and up until the day before, um, we weren't even going to be filling all the seats. And on the day of, we had to get more seats. So um, it was a great event as far as uh, um, all the participation and all the eager airmen that we had that wanted to participate. And, and that just showed us that, that people were really, they really wanted mentorship. They wanted to understand the, the process. Um, and get those, you know, and understand those experiences that are more, um, as myself, mature um, airmen in the unit had to offer. So I think that was, uh, um, that was what was surprising to me because um, I had a vision and, uh, and it far surpassed the vision that I had. So I, w I was very happy w with that and really got that, that ball rolling and changing our culture. Um, for having more to develop a one-on-one -on -one mentorship because it's an investment. You know, we talk about, you know, I, I mentioned before that we have mentoring moments um, where you see an airman and say, hey, what's going on with you? And, oh, you should do this and you should go to the NCO Academy and this is my experience. And then that's it. You never talk to each other. Again, where mentorship is more of an investment in an airman, right? To, you can have more than one mentor, but they all have to be invested. And, and that's, you know, that next step in our culture. So to get back to the actual event, uh, why don't we talk about uh, um, how you selected 
the mentors in the topics that uh, that we had. Yes, absolutely. So <clears throat> the way that the selection of the mentors came about, it wasn't like we were pre-selecting anybody by any any shape, form, or means. I really reached out to supervisors, other actual members from the wing, uh, and asked them, hey, if you could have a mentor, if somebody, who do you consider to be a mentor for you out there, or, or who would you think would be a good mentor? Um, and maybe they just haven't themselves reached out to someone, but they already had somebody in mind that's always been out there. So that's how I went, I went about it, was from either recommendation from supervisors, leadership, from other members from the wing, their peers, or even someone that is lower ranking than the, uh, the person themselves. So that's how the selection process went. And the other thing, too, is I really wanted to ensure that we had like a diverse uh, team of mentors, for example, from different ranks and different th- different um, backgrounds when it came to uh, AFSCs, careers. I mean, it was very diverse. And the way that we also went about it was by having also the mentors kind of like mentor each other in a sense. So we paired mentors. We actually paired someone of higher ranking with someone of a little bit of lower ranking uh, as mentors, again, to provide that feedback, to have them work together so that they can both learn from one another. So that was also another hidden thing that I kind of did on purpose. And then, of course, um, that led to what I believe was actually a pretty successful event was uh, having those two mentors being paired with a subject that they actually had to uh, talk about. And they were certainly diverse in um, experience and rank. Um, It was, uh, you know, some, you, you looked at the table and you would have a tech sergeant and a major. You know, you had a colonel and a chief. Um, so you always had the two different, the enlisted perspective, and you had the officer perspective too, So, which tends to change. Um, and to understand both of those was, was great, I thought. Yeah, so, so that's how we really kind of wanted, you know, things to work out. And, and so far I got really good feedback as far as like with the mentors and how everything worked out uh, with their topics and stuff like that. They had to do their own research because I wasn't going to provide them all the answers. I mean, that, that was the point of it as well was to kind of get them working together. Uh, and then what were the, some of the, t- the topics at each table? Um, so I don't have them all with mm-hmm. me, but I remember... Uh, one of them being um, leadership, right? Followership, uh, followership. Yep. Yes, those were some critical ones. Um, I'm trying to remember the having other ones. difficult, having difficult conversations. conversations. Yes, yes. Um, so it was really the stuff that were applied. Uh, every topic was something that wasn't out of, um, you know, out in left field. It was all something that we had to dealt with uh, every day, which I thought was really, really, really well. Done very well. Um, and then, as far as like the mentees, how at first we were a little bit like nervous uh, with whether people were gonna show up or not, or they understood what uh, the whole speed mentoring was about. It really does take a team. It does take a wing. It does take everyone to support a program and to explain to others 
so that they can actually participate or buy into it, right, in a sense. So I think that the biggest thing, and I thank all the supervisors and leaders out there that supported our event because I know at the beginning it was like a little bit slower as, ha as far as having people sign up, maybe not really realizing, or we, we do have a mission, and everyone really is very busy. So that was my biggest concern is we all have our time is very limited when we have our RSDs or drills. So I understand how challenging it could be to let somebody go to an event. So it really, I think like the biggest impact was supervisors really, really um, supporting the event. And whether it was at the last minute, they say, Hey, I really feel like you need to go to this. This is going to be a great event. And then encouraging their members to actually attend the event. And I think that's how we actually ended up having the extra members that hadn't signed up, which, by the way, we accommodated, and it made it an even better event. We had plenty of chairs. Oh, yes. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then we finished it up with uh, having resources available there as well. Um, different organizations, veteran organizations, all the different committees there. Um, to, again, to promote the enlisted force development. So it was a great touch. So in conclusion, we're really just trying to ensure that our wing um, had visibility of what mentorship is about and that our members versus mentors or mentees knew that, you know, this is something that's out there. And hopefully our mentees were able to find some great mentors throughout our wing and and the other way, too, some mentors were able to talk to some of our other members out there and, and were able to connect and make those connections. That's what we really wanted. We wanted people to make those connections. With Black History Month upon us, we'd like to share this interview with Sergeant Thomas Newton, a documented Tuskegee Airman, who talks about his time serving with the 332 Fighter Group at the former Lockbourne Air Force Base in Ohio from 1946 to 1949. He shares his stories about General Benjamin O. Davis, Jr. and Sergeant Marvelous Mal Whitfield in this interview from the 121st Air Refueling Wing Public Affairs Office. Newton was the guest of honor during a ceremony to celebrate the 75th anniversary of desegregation in the United States military. My time at Lockburn was very enjoyable because I was around people that looked like me, that had a purpose in mind and uh, goals and when we ever talk to each other we always left each other with a loving and kindness spirit so my time at Lockburn was very very enjoyable I joined the military to America after high school because at that time there wasn't too many jobs for young black men just graduated from high school. I finished basic training in Shepherdfield, Texas. After Shepherdfield, Texas, like I said, they sent me to Clerk Typing School in Denver, Colorado. The classes that I was in, I guess it was about 50 people. They were segregated, but we learned to type. They signed me to the 99th Fire Squadron. So that was a happy time for me because I came here and I'm going to be around people who had distinguished themselves during the war. For me as a young man at 18 years old, I was in awe of all of them. When the opportunity came for advancement, I made sergeant. The 
people under me, and we all had a job of ordering parts for the paint. Whatever the mechanic needed, we were supposed to get it, and we did get it. I mean, to say we did get the parts to keep the planes flying. We had partner, we had large encyclopedias and everything with schematics of the planes. It was a challenging job to keep those planes flying because everything depended on that mechanic getting the part and his mechanic keeping that plane fit for the pilot to be safe. My buddy from Kokomo, Indiana, Smith, and I would pal around, you know, we go and shopping and, and uh, you know, things like that. So one Sunday, we decided to go to church. And uh, we wanted, the deacons invited us to dinner after church. So after that, every Sunday we went to church. You know, <laughs> and somebody would always uh, invite us to dinner. When they did, we came back to the base, happy. Sergeant Mayor Whitfield, I never met him, but I saw him running around the base almost daily. So in 1948, when he went to the Olympics, he won the four, I think it was the 440. He came back to the base, and they had a little gathering for him. And then uh, we always, we all uh, gathered around and everything, congratulated him. Benjamin Old Davis Jr., he would always visit each squadron every once in a while. He'd come into the orderly room, or he would come onto the flight line. We knew who he was and everything, but he would shake hands and say, how you doing? What is your job? How are you doing? So uh, each time that he would come, we knew he was coming because the driver was in our back. He said, I said, where are you taking Benjamin Davis Jr. tomorrow? He said, he going to tour the base. So we knew he was coming. He wasn't one of just sit up in the office and everything and didn't come around and engage with the enlisted men in the offices and everything. And he would give us together on the parade ground and everything, when he would come and speak to us, he would always say, they put us here to fail, but we will not fail. It is incumbent of all of us to do our job. If we do our job, they can look up to us as a base and can say that they did what they're supposed to do. He said, it might be obstacles in the way, but we're used to obstacles. We overcome a whole lot of stuff. So just do your best and we will not fail. And that was the, one of the things that he always would say. Don't fail us, don't fail us. Abolishing segregation in armed services, that there would be better opportunities for the black pilots and the enlisted men, better opportunity for them to uh, go to the unsegregated white units and everything, and they did, and they excelled. They just took everything in stride. I met a lot of people, a lot of different people with different thoughts, but they always came back with one purpose, one thing that instilled in me, do your best. When things look dull, when things look bad, Persevere, do your best. Things will get better, no matter what the problem is. And as a young man, I always said to myself, I'm going to be the best that I can be. And that 
taught me, that was taught to me at Lockburn Air Force Base. So my young time at Air Force Base was enjoyable, was profitable, and today I still love Lockburn Air Force Base. In 1796, President George Washington published his farewell address to the nation. After two terms in office, Washington decided to retire from public life, clearing the way for the peaceful transfer of power from one president to another. This was one of the crowning achievements of the early American Republic and an important precedent for future presidents. In this excerpt recorded in 1913, actor Harry Humphrey narrates a portion of Washington's address. In offering to you, my countrymen, these counsels of an old and affectionate friend, I dare not hope that they will make the strong and lasting impression I could wish, that they will control the usual current of the passions, or prevent our nation from running the course which has hitherto marked the destiny of nations. But if I may even flatter myself, that they may be productive of some partial benefit, some occasional good, that they may now and then recur to moderate the fury of party spirit, to warn against the mischiefs of foreign intrigue, to guard against the impostures of pretended patriotism. This hope will be a full recompense for the solicitude for your welfare by which they have been dictated. Though in reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error, I am nevertheless too sensible of my defects not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. Whatever they may be, I fervently beseech the Almighty to avert or mitigate the evils to which they may tend. I shall also carry with me the hope that my country will never cease to view them with indulgence, and that, after 45 years of my life, dedicated to its service with an upright zeal, the faults of incompetent abilities will be consigned to oblivion, as myself must soon be to the mansions of rest. Relying on its kindness in this, as in other things, and actuated by that fervent love toward it, which is so natural to a man who views in it the native soil of himself and his progenitors for several generations, I anticipate with pleasing expectation that retreat in which I promise myself to realize without alloy the sweet enjoyment of partaking in the midst of my fellow citizens the benign influence of good laws under a free government, the ever-favorite object of my heart, and the happy reward, as I trust, of our mutual cares, labors, and dangers. Thanks for listening to The Seagull. For more news from the 102nd Intelligence Wing, visit our website at www.102iw. Dot ang dot af dot mil slash lakes or search for 102 iw on any major social media platform <laughs>